Most studio owners decide to open their fitness and wellness businesses because they want to help people and add more meaning to their lives. Their heart is in the right place, they're great people, but scaling a profitable business that feels incredible to own and run is trickier than ever before. So where they get stuck is no one's ever shown them how to run a wildly successful business without the overwhelm and the chaos. Plus, they're doing it all alone. Until now. Welcome to the Geronimo Unfiltered Podcast for ambitious boutique studio owners who are allergic to average and know they're capable of more. They're just missing the how. I'm Dozer, your host, CEO and founder of the Geronimo Academy, and together with my crew and my community of owners and managers who are the doers and the implementers, we are on a mission to pioneer a better way to own and operate a health and fitness business while building a life you love, not hate. So if you're ready to push the boundaries, level up your money, meaning and impact, and stop doing it alone, then you're in the right place. This is going to be raw and unfiltered, zero bullshit. So take a deep breath, strap yourself in, and let's get fucking started. All right, welcome back to the Geronimo Unfiltered Podcast. Another episode here from Activist Capes in Bali, Pete. Thanks for having me, Dozer. So Pete's uh, joined me again as the co-host for these high-performance hot seat episodes. It's a series that we're doing while we're over here in the Activescapes in Bali, having an unreal time. My body is sore as fuck, though. Good. I coached Dozer this morning, actually. How'd I go? Yeah, good. Good. He went very hard. Do you so want to explain like, what, what the workout was real quickly? Oh, so we basically worked teams of four, yeah. and there was a six-minute AMRAP between the teams. Yeah. They worked around the exercises, and we did it with a pool finisher. That was... That was cool. I've never done a burpee in a pool before. Yeah. All 37 of them because it was almost birthday. Exactly right. Not going to go easy on you. Yeah. Unreal. So we have a guest here, Pete. Oh, dude, this is a, this is a great. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. So I'm really excited to introduce Amanda. So before, before I get her on, I'm going to give her a little bit of background <laughs> on Amanda. She's certainly a high performer. I've known her for many, many years. A great person. And it's going to be a fantastic episode. So she was a professional pole vaulter, represented Australia multiple occasions, including going to the Commonwealth Games in 2010. She's an exercise physiologist. She's a yoga instructor, Pilates instructor. She's one of the head trainers here on Active Escapes, which she's been doing for about 10 years, I believe. She also owns Fresh Body Fit Mind, which is a fitness app where people train at home, which she works full-time with her partner, Adam. And that's going to be expanding into more gym workouts as well. But welcome to the show, Amanda Bisk. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually so excited. I'm losing my voice slowly from yelling at too many guests here. <laughs> and the karaoke, everyone's saying But good yelling, good yelling as good. well. Not bad yelling. No. Like, no telling off. Yes. But I'm going to try and make it through. Hopefully Everyone we're interviewing has the same thing. So everyone's going to be used to this husky kind of voice yeah, this, yeah. this season. It'll be very like sensual. <laughs> You've done a lot. What You've do you mean? Like well, here? Or? No, all, all those achievements that Pete read oh, out. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it's actually really funny because like you asked me today, you're like, oh, so what do I introduce you as? And I'm just kind of like... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote them all down. I'm like, Amanda, the show's going to be under an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. Can we but, get one of those out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it kind of like just shows like a bit of my personality. You know, I'm all about variety and really just experimenting and exploring of as much of life as you can. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to touch on that. Okay. So let me give you the brief on this potty. Okay. So it's called Drama Unfiltered because, you know, obviously in the fitness industry, I think it's very easy to get swept up in thinking that everything's perfect and everything's okay and no one has any faults and no one has any weaknesses. So our listeners are gym owners. That's now expanding, but you know, the core listener base are gym owners who are allergic to average. They are ambitious. They're the doers, the implementers, the executors, but sometimes they might just be missing a bit of the how. 
And part of my mission with this potty is to interview high performers like yourself and almost try and tap into what actually makes high performers tick and what are the clues that we can share with everyone else so they can edge towards high performance. So it's raw, it's unfiltered. I love that. You can just, (laughs) we want you to be honest. We want you to talk about what you don't normally talk about because that has a profound impact on our audience. Is that cool? I would love that because obviously, you know, I've done a few podcasts in my time and normally the same questions get repeated over and over again. Bin those ones, they're out. Yeah, out. (laughs) Listen to this one only. (laughs) But yeah, I'm excited to talk about some interesting stuff. Let's do it. Okay, so let's start. Let's go right back. Right back. Let's go right back. Okay. Who the hell is Biscuit? (laughs) Like as a child? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... My your, pa- your origin story. Okay. So my parents are both Polish. So both from Poland and they immigrated to Australia in the 80s, early 80s. And that was mainly because my dad had started to suffer from arthritis and he wanted to find a warmer climate. Oh. So South Africa got thrown out there. New Zealand got thrown out there. And then he kind of stumbled upon Australia. Obviously, he'd only heard about Sydney or Melbourne. So that was kind of like his thing, he, what he wanted to do. And then they were like, yeah, we don't really need electricians there, but you can come to Perth. And he was like... Where the fuck is Perth? Yeah, yeah. Everyone asked <laughs> And then the they showed him a map. <laughs> they showed him a map. He's like, yes, here's Sydney, Melbourne. Slid their finger along for like <laughs> just 30 minutes It's over here. And he was like, shit. All right. Well, I'll go to Perth for like a year, yeah. do my time, and then I'll move over. And then I ended up staying in Perth. So they ended up staying there, had me. And yeah, I was a very hyperactive child. Were you? As you guys can probably tell I from guess. retreat. Yeah. Still are. <laughs> Still am. <laughs> Hyperactive child. One of how many? How many siblings? I'm an only child. Only child. Yeah. Yeah. Struck gold with the first and they didn't have to do it. Yeah, they didn't have to do it again. I mean, they couldn't put up with nuts. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, we're not doing this again. Hell no. (laughs) But yeah, just had me. My parents actually had me quite late. So my mum had me at 38 and um, she actually hid her pregnancy from my dad because she was scared that he was going to be like, yeah, nah, that's not happening. So she was like three months pregnant. Dad just thought she was getting fat. And then here I am. (laughs) Yeah, so that was me as a kid. Um, My dad put me into gymnastics really early. So he actually suffers from ankylosing spondylitis, which is like an arthritis in the spine. And he was worried that I was going to develop that. So he's like, I want to make sure my child's active from the beginning, get her into some good habits. So I started gymnastics at, I'm pretty sure I was two and a half and you had to be three Two and a half. Two and a half. And he forced the trainer to have me because you had to be a minimum of like three to join the group. And they were like, no, we can't ever. And he was like, you're taking her. I'm leaving. (laughs) So ended up starting in gym and I actually got talent ID'd by the State Institute when I was six. And I ended up, you know, training 30 hours a week. At At the Institute? Yeah, Institute of Sport Sport. in Western Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So I was there from six. I was there for a couple of years and I just bloody loved it. I loved gymnastics, was obsessed with it, just obsessed with moving my body, experimenting with stuff, just throwing myself around. And yeah, that's kind of how like my journey to fitness started. What made you love it at that age? Because mm. you're six years old. I think because I just had so much energy and I wasn't an only child. So it was a really great opportunity for me to go and meet other kids and just like let go of all that extra energy I had. And I also... 
I guess I was a pretty like brave kid. I was always hanging off things and, you know, jumping around. So it was probably the safest place for me to be as well. So I just bloody loved it. (laughs) And this was talent scouted for gymnastics. Yes. Yeah. So my initial aim was to work towards the Olympics. So like Olympic squads, they start gymnasts really young. So gymnasts. They're normally a little, they're normally short, aren't they? Yeah. yeah so right. that that's actually why I didn't train at the Institute anymore. So I was there for about two years in the development squad. And then we kind of, I mean, at the same time, my parents were going through a breakup as well. So it was a pretty like hectic time, but you know, I'd obviously had a few growth spurts as well. And they kind of said, look, like you can definitely keep going. And at that stage, I think mum was looking after me by herself. Dad had gone back to Germany to live for a little while and she was just like this is too hard and they were like you know she's actually looks like she's going to be quite tall and it's going to be a pretty difficult sport for her Um, so you can take her to club levels and see how she goes there yeah I ended up going to club levels and I did gymnastics until I was 18 so bloody loved it yeah so obviously your mum's then gone through and helped raise you during that point as well and she's obviously very loving and trying to get you into that how were you at that time like did you want to continue down that gymnast route you obviously did what was going through your mind in terms of a training perspective at this point well i think like i just wanted to do gym and being like you know i think i was like seven or turning eight at that point you don't really understand kind of like why me why are you taking me away from this gym with all my yeah. friends like i bloody love it here it's awesome i'm here all the time to now i have to go to a new gym and a new different style of training so i didn't really understand as long as i was still doing gym i didn't really care so yeah i don't think i was phased too much i think i was just too young to understand what was going on but when your parents Split. Yeah. How did that affect you? Um, it's actually funny because I only remember pockets of how it kind of happened. I remember like coming home one day, it was probably coming home from gym and like me asking, where's dad? And like, oh. mom's just like, yeah, he got a taxi and he's left. And I'm like, okay. And I guess kind of at that point I thought like, oh, he's coming back. I don't know where he's going, but he's coming back. And then obviously he didn't. He was in Germany for a few years. I don't know the exact reason as to why he left for so long and never came back and whatever. But um, yeah, um, I don't know. I think you do the best you can. I mean, I've probably got traits now that, you know, have kind of built up from that point, but I don't know what they are. So, you know, it's like any young child going through like your parents splitting up and you're not seeing a parent. I think it's hard, but you know, you're young, you, you're occupied by other things as well. Probably just tried to focus on gym and my friends and all of that. So, yeah. And going through those years as well, how's your relationship with your mom? I'm guessing you guys became really close. Yeah, and, um, yeah, definitely. So me and mom are like best friends. She's honestly like the best person. She's just so happy, so positive. My mom and dad are like complete polar opposites. So mom was never the person who was like, oh, I'm going to put her in sport. She's going to be awesome. She's never like been a stage mom or anything like that. She's just super cool. I used to play Chasey with me all the time. And like, yeah, we're like best friends, like so so close and then dad's the complete opposite you know he's a euro he's just like yeah you do this you're gonna be good you're gonna be number one push to the front of the line you got to get served first like all this kind of stuff so it's yin and yang it's like crazy yeah right (laughs) yeah how did how do they impact because one thing i want to unravel is obviously sporting journey got an amazing story and obviously a top athlete in the country how did um those early years because six is very young to get picked up especially like any sport really but like to be in a development squad from that age how do you think that impacted your training later down especially when you started to get to that australian level i think 
it definitely instilled some really awesome qualities, which I still think I have, like just being really determined and kind of that never say die and just really good at routine and just getting shit done when you have to, because, you know, at that age, you're in a group and you're pretty much forced to do all these hours of training. You're forced to get there in the morning, then after school and like all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I think that discipline was one of the biggest things. You just said getting shit done when you have to. Can we unravel that a bit? Yeah, let's, yeah. Look, let's fucking zoom in. Like, let's, let's, that was, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. When you're a gymnast, you go through all your apparatus, your training and all this stuff. You normally have like this checklist of stuff that you have to do and you've got your coaches keeping an eye on you, like all directions. And I don't know. I kind of think, I just picture it as this thing like, okay, here's a big massive list of what I have to do. If I do it, I'm going to be a better person for it. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you still operate like that today? Like you said, said getting through your list. Like you mentioned lists and not goals so much. Do you, are you still a very process-driven individual with your current Definitely. Businesses? And I know definitely like later on when I became more of an athletics athlete and like started to represent Australian and all that stuff, the the process was just such a passion point for me. I fucking loved it. Like I loved the itty gritty training, training in the rain on the shitty days you didn't want to. I just, there was something about this like accomplishment of doing that little like 1% session. And I don't know, it just, like if I was to go back and do athletics again, I actually wouldn't care if I competed or not. I just want I want that process. That is yes. what drives me. Yeah. The process. The process, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love the itty gritty. I've never actually heard that one before. But but you're the third person that's that's said that. So, oh, really? Yeah. Like, oh. and that's why we're doing this. We want to try and like interview and just like pick at the kind of like, fuck, James said that. Yeah. BB said that. Now, yeah. Biscuit's saying that yeah. about the routines and having faith in the routines and also getting into what sounds like your flow state yeah. through your training. Yeah. No matter what the weather was, mm -hmm. it was just your zone. Yeah. Do you have a particular moment? a session that really sucked or a time you really saw or anything that you like remember in your athletic journey that you're like, I'm still turning up. That like, was, is there any particular moment that stands out to you? Well, I've been like an explosive athlete all my life, obviously gymnastics and I went to athletics, pole vault, high jump, all that kind of stuff. So I call 400 metres a distance event. Yeah, right, yeah. Doing, <laughs> Same. Doing, yeah, yeah, doing 400 metres in the middle of winter, it is pissing sideways with rain <laughs> in your eyes. It's freezing cold <laughs> and finishing a rep and you feel like your lungs are on fire and you're actually going to pass out from the pain. Just those moments. I'm like, well, hopefully I'm a little bit better after that. Yeah. <laughs> if not, I'll be really sad. <laughs> that might seem normal to you, but that's so uncommon. Uh, but I'm seeing that even here on right? activist escapes here in Bali. We've got and you're not going to say this, but so Pete, for the F45ers out there, has won the F45 playoffs, I don't know how many times. Absolute legend. Anymore, yeah. <laughs> High Rocks Elite, you just got invited. I don't know, does people on the potty know oh, I haven't said this to anyone. Actually. I haven't said this to my own Instagram. I, I got invited to go to the High Rocks World Championships oh. in Nice in France next year. So Breaking news, guys. Breaking I, news. I literally <laughs> got the email like two days ago. Right, so Very we've excited. got like, that's awesome, brother. Absolute <laughs> weapons. You've got Jess out there, B, Lucy, like how many, all those all the high rocks athletes out there, right? And the way that just actually seeing you guys train in the flesh, in action, not just like a highlights reel or a photo, like mid, mid ball slam or something, you guys go to a whole nother fucking level, but you almost seem really comfortable in that discomfort. 
Just, you know, seeing Thanks, you guys man. go appreciate that. around for the obstacle courses, you know, on the beach, or yesterday when we did the Alice's workout at the chapel, I was broken. But everyone, like those, I'm just coming back to this whole thing about you were saying about like being in that hurt locker, like yeah. you've got that faith around you're going to make this, that's going to make you a better person. Yeah. Yeah. And that purpose, James talked about that purpose yesterday with the CrossFit stuff. He talked yeah. about that being part of his purpose as well. Yeah. Thank you. It's amazing. So Amanda, I know part of the story, but I really want to unpack. So you're in the prime of your career. You're currently top two in Australia, in and out of the top few. Commonwealth Games athlete, so definitely top part of the few. A big goal of yours is the Olympics. Huge goal. And again, for those that are unfamiliar with track and field sports, it's cutthroat. You need to be top two on Olympic year. You need to hit the right height in Amanda's sport where it's obviously pole vault is a specialty. You need to do that on the Olympic year just to make the team. And it's extremely cutthroat. So... In your prime, you went to the Com Games and then yep. was it the 2012 Olympics you're trying to... Yeah, so London for? was like my goal. Okay. Yeah. So coming into London, you were ranked second? Second, You yeah. were ranked second and yeah. top two to get through? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they take two athletes, yeah. So you're effectively <laughs> on track. Yeah. Okay, so 2011 on track to make the team to go to the Olympics at London. What happened after that? So... 2011 was the year after Com Games, so I competed at Com Games. There's a bit of a story behind there. I was injured, like leading up to Com Games, and you know, ended up jumping not my best, but still, I jumped the third highest height. But I actually came six on count back, so uh, it kind of was so frustrating and really gave me a fire to start to aim to London. So, came back from Com Games, and you know, we had about two weeks break, and for our training squad, that's quite a long time. We didn't really have very many breaks. And then came back from the break, you know, it was getting close to like Christmas time around then, New Year, getting back into training and just feeling like things weren't right, just Mm. finishing sessions and just being so exhausted and just realizing that like I wasn't recovering at all and just like barely being able to wake up in the morning and get to sessions and starting to kind of lose my motivation Mm. for training, which was really weird for me. Mm. As you guys know, I bloody love hard training. So this is seven months out from the Olympics. Uh, no, so this is 2011, so it's about a year until okay. I have to like, you know, start doing qualifying heights Got and it. stuff and performing at nationals and all of that. So it's about a year out. And yeah, I was just like, this is so weird. So I started just like, you know, saw the waist doctor, saw my local doctor and they kind of really couldn't find what was going on, especially like through my bloods and stuff. They couldn't find anything. So, you know, they just prescribed some rest and all of that. So I just started cutting down my training load mm. and like compared to my training, you know, group, it just felt wrong. I was just like, I'm doing like 50% of what everyone else is doing. You know, I'm leading up to an Olympic year. I shouldn't be doing this. Like I should be building more instead of less. And this is like 18, 20 years of training that's leading up to this point of like yeah. elite from six years old, right? Yeah. So basically been like, you know, in an elite academy from six years old all the way up to 12 months out from the freaking Olympics and you're in the qualifying rankings. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it? So, um, you know, after about like six months of doctors and other specialists, they ended up diagnosing me with chronic fatigue. And I mean, there's no diagnosing test for it, but they pretty much test for everything. And then if they can't find what it is, they pretty much say it's chronic fatigue. fatigue. So they have this like set of markers pretty much. So I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue. And I remember the moment I was in the doctor's office and they were just kind of like, all right, well, since we kind of know what it is, this is what we're going to prescribe. And it was antidepressants. And they were like, this is linked to being able to help people to start to recover. And for me, like I was a very much like, 
I was scared of even just taking like protein supplements. Mm. You know, you're an athlete and you get scared of taking anything. So I was just like, I'm not really into this prescription medication kind of stuff. So I remember taking this box home and I was just like, nah, I'm not doing this, threw it in the bin. And I was like, I'm going to find my own way back. So at that time, I also had like a huge conversation with my coach and we kind of had agreed to just like stop because I had worked so hard at 50% and just stuff wasn't working. It just wasn't coming together. And he was like, I think we just need to stop. He said, the coach said. Yeah. And he, his past, like he had actually had to stop pole vaulting as well because of an injury that had taken him out of the sport. So he was fully into it, fully so passionate about it and had to be taken out from injury. So he kind of knew how I was feeling and I was glad I had that kind of like relationship with him. Um, How were you feeling at this point? Oh, like devastated, you know, from a child, I've been an elite athlete. That has been my identity. Identity. That is who I am. Mm. That is what I do. That is what people know me for. Like I remember being, you know, six, seven years old and my mum's friends going, oh, like Amanda's going to go to the Olympics. Like like I had that label. Yeah, because that's when I was at, you know, high performance gymnastics. They were like, yeah, she's going to make it. So, yeah, it's not like my parents were there saying it was this you know, this is what you're going to be. It's like people around you, like you just it's kind of realize they make an influence. Yeah. yeah. So obviously it was like, it felt like the end of my life. I was just like, really? you know, I was 24 at the time and I was like, I'm done. That's it. What the hell am I going to do? Like sport is me. I don't know who I am like without mm. it. At that point I retired at the sport, but didn't know, like I thought I was going to come back. Really? So I stopped training, stepped back, didn't go to the track, didn't see my coach, none of that stuff, and just really started to focus on healing myself from chronic fatigue. At that point, were you still planning to go to 2012? Was the goal to have a break and then train yes. up again? Okay, yeah, so definitely, says- because you just don't tell me no. <laughs> like I'm just like, yeah, I'm going, all right, let's do this break thing. Let's see how quickly I can like feel better, and then let's get back into it. I just want to keep going down this point because it's still leading up to probably the height or what should be the height of your sporting career. So then you've come back into training for London at, at some point, or did you stop altogether and didn't? I didn't come back. Didn't when, come when, back. when? Because yeah. what had happened was, so at the beginning of 2011, I was still competing. So I was competing overseas. I had a few competitions in like Korea, Japan, like all that kind of stuff. And I just struggled. It was so bad and it was such a bad feeling. Like... And I think the reason was because I knew I hadn't trained. And then I was going to these comps and like, for me, that was my living. That's how you make money. Like I also had another job because you have to win athletics because nobody bloody cares about it. So all the athletes have another job. So I just had to go because if I could win any sort of prize money, that would help me buy new spikes to pole vault in or like, you know, so. Okay. So at what point did you know you weren't going to make the Olympics and know you weren't going to come back to it? Was there a point? Yeah, so pretty much the year announcement of, hey, it's a year leading into London. And then I was like, well, I'm not even training. So, uh, <laughs> like, I was just like, cool. Well, I guess there. I'm not going. <laughs> At that moment, you knew. Yeah. Pole vault is one of those sports. It's just so technical. You need yeah. so much technical training and you need to be in pole vault shape. And it's not just like, oh, you can go back and train for three months and go. Like you need a solid year at least. Like normally it's like a two years preparation for it. You need that time vaulting. You need to be jumping well. You need to be competing, all of that stuff. Otherwise it's just not going to happen. In that moment, how'd you feel? 
To tell you the truth, like, I don't know. It was just weird because at that time I was just so removed from the space. I was honestly in this zone where I was just like a blob. I still had a job because obviously I had to feed myself, but trying to work, trying to just like get out of bed and not be tired was a huge goal. I just had so many health concerns still, still having symptoms and stuff that I kind of just let it go past my mind and I didn't really want to soak it in, to be honest. The only time it really soaked in is when the Olympics was on. I did not watch that Olympics at all. I just couldn't. For someone who, like, as a little kid, I used to watch Olympics religiously in front of the TV, watch every single sport. I didn't care what sport it was. I would watch it. I just, like, couldn't. Couldn't bring myself to it. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Does that still make you upset today? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, like, when things like that happen, you always think, what could I have been? I could have been, like, an Olympic pole vaulter. That would have been amazing. But Mm. obviously now I'm kind of like, if it didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. But, yeah, you still always think about it. It's not going to leave my head. I trained bloody, you know, 25 years of my life to try and get to the Olympics. So, How do you recover from that, you know, mentally? And also what happened to that packet of antidepressants? So that went straight in the bin. (laughs) I was like, nope, not even going to open that. And from that moment, I just committed to myself that I was going to try everything. I didn't care what it was. So acupuncture, Chinese medicine, traditional doctors, specialists, yoga. That's how I found yoga. Just nutrition, changing how I was eating, learning more about the body, just everything. I just tried to delve deep and just be obsessed just with optimal function of the body and trying to uncover what was going on with me and how I couldn't make myself better. And just switching the tone a little bit to glass half full in this situation because you actually said something on the lines of I wouldn't be where I am today because of that yeah what good came out of that like what do you really attribute that came out of that one from either mental state or even where you are today in terms of your career yeah when something like that happens it really starts to unravel yourself from your bubble because whenever you have a passion and you're working towards something it does become a bubble like you become obsessed with it so I think it just really started to open up my eyes and kind of you know, I started to question myself and be like, who is Amanda Bisk? Like, who am I without sport, without wow. movement, you know? So I just had to kind of come across that journey now and delve a little bit deeper. And, you know, I saw psychologists and psychiatrists, which helped so much, like just changing my mindset. And honestly, I think when I was a pole vaulter, I don't think I had enough of that training. Like I would love to see me now as a pole vaulter wow, with like just a better mindset. Because especially pole vault, it's 80% mental. Is it? Like it's such a mental game. And, you know, it might have been like a downfall of my coach, but I feel like it's such an important thing for anyone. Like whatever you're doing in life is just like if your mind's not in it, your body's not going to be doing what you want. So I just want to touch on like you say, if you went back and did it again now, what do you think you've gained from this experience that if you went back and did it again, that you would perhaps make the Olympics? I've definitely gained that mental strength is the most important thing. I've gained that I have so much power in the direction that I'm going in my life because I was just such a yes person. Like if my coach told me to do 100 reps or something, I'd be like, yep, I'm doing 101. Right. Even if my, my arm would be falling off or like really? whatever, I would just push through everything. So now I know I have control and I understand myself more than anyone else and that I can actually trust myself to make the right decision. I always thought that other people had to do that for me. Just going back on that. So 
Daniel said the same thing. D- Daniel said the same thing. Huh? But from six years old, you're in an academy. Then the thing is with a lot of sports is you're often in these academies, you're in these training courses, you're in these camps. It's like when you go through school, it's like there's a process and then yeah. all of a sudden you're released in the wild and the... <laughs> And you're yeah. trying to figure it out, right? You're feral. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. We're all of a sudden, everyone's always out of school. And, but no, as an athlete, though, so at six years old, you're in training camp. And obviously for gymnastics, you've gone through that. You've then changed sports into a track and field. And then it was only probably at that point where you actually had to, like, recreate Amanda. Yeah. Who is it? You said, who is Amanda? Yep. And that was the first time we actually had to choose your own one. Now you're obviously in power and now you're running your own business. Do you think that was a pivotal point in your life that made you want to take control over who Amanda is and... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. definitely, Because I was at rock bottom. I can't go any more down. (laughs) Like, you know, so it was definitely such a massive turning point. And I'm so thankful for it. Obviously, at the time, I literally thought it was the end of my life. And I honestly, like, I'm not going to lie. I contemplated bad things like, yeah, just ending it all. But like, oh, I can't. Oh, make me (laughs) Sorry, it's okay. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, like you just go through like points like that. And honestly, like you're like, why am I here? Mm. Like, what is the point of me being here? So I don't know. It gave me like this other strength of just understanding that life is like so much bigger than like what you like want to do in a certain area of life. Yeah. There's so many bigger things. There's so many more important things. There's Correct. so many more amazing things. Yep. Yeah. So it really helped. Yeah. And as well, I just want to point out, I've known Amanda for many years. You are one of the fucking most positive people I've ever met. I mean that. <laughs> Thanks, like, Thanks. A, You really are. Though. I've seen you on many active escape retreats. I've known you outside of this. Like you really are such a positive person. And I know that would hurt anyone, right? Like when you've been building up for something like that. And the thing I love about you too is like, you're doing so fucking well. Like <laughs> you're, crushing, you're doing you're doing such amazing things. And I, I always wondered whether that was a, a big turning point in your, you know, your career and your life. And just unraveling that today. See, we are active escapes. Who is Amanda Biss today? Who's that identity that you fucking created from that? I think I'm just a person who just wants the best out of every single second of life. Whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, I just want to experience it and go in like a hundred percent. I don't want to hold back. I want to be a person who can look back on my life and be like, I was in control. I did that because I wanted to do it. And, you know, I I am here where I am today because I made those choices to get there. And I just hope that, I don't know, when people are around me that I can share like positivity as well. That's like such a huge thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay to be like down and sad and all that stuff. But I think... The more positive vibes you can spread, the more positive community you can have around you, the more positive environments you can have around you. Like you're just going to continue to soak that up and just make it like a virus and make it spread. I want to ooze that. I want people to be happy. And I love like being around people people who are happy. So There's 120 people out there that would 100% agree with that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Nah, like. Yeah, that's Amanda. Yeah. And I'm a little bit crazy. And, and I've never seen I've never seen someone so bendy. <laughs> yeah. You can bend in half like a rubber band. I've never seen it before. I think Xana, the owner of Active Escapes, he calls it the bendiest in the West. <laughs> yeah, something like bendiest that. Bendiest in the oh, changes every time, but yeah. um, still got it. Oh. I want to go back to that because I think, you know, we all have defining moments and we talk about this a lot on the podcast. Like I've had a defining moment, Pete's yep. had a defining moment. Yeah. Biscuit, you had one as well. Yeah. You know, we talk about in the defining moment, and our listeners know this now, there's three ways that you can really handle those moments, right? It's either retreat, you can do nothing, 
or you decide mm-hmm. to make a decision yep. to make this the best thing that happened for you, yep. which is what you did, yep. right? Why didn't you retreat? Why didn't you stop trying? Honestly, I think it was the psycho athlete in me mm. and the person who just like never backs down through my whole like junior career and as a gymnast, as an athlete, all that kind of stuff, you come across so many hurdles and hurdles that you don't even think about. And you just say, no, like, I'm not going to surrender to that. I'm going to beat this. And if I keep trying, like, I can't fail. Whereas if I I stop, I can't fail. (laughs) You failed already. You know, you're not going to move forward anymore. Say that again. So if you keep trying, you're not going to fail. I love that. And if you don't try. And if you don't try, you failed already. Like you're you're done. (laughs) Listeners, I know a lot of us in business, right? We're trying our absolute best out there. And half the time, I don't know what we're doing. What Biscuit just said there was absolutely profound, right? You only lose if you stop. You only lose if you stop trying. Who shaped that in you early? I definitely think it's like my dad. If you ever met my dad, like he's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But he's just so determined. Mm. Like if he wants something, he will get it done no matter what he has to do. And he really instilled that in me. As a child, I just remember him never letting me feel down on myself or feeling less than anyone else. Mm. He was always like, nope, you deserve this. You keep going. You keep bushing. Like he always thought I could do better. And I guess that's kind of like where the people pleaser comes out in me is because I never thought I was ever good enough. But really, yeah, but I also think it's positive because I always keep trying because I want to be good enough. So, yeah. Uh, That's amazing. I don't want to go back to that moment too much, but I I guess having that expectation set on you from six, which is like, God, I don't even know. What were you doing at six? (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember, dude. I was just playing games on the go. But (laughs) we hang around the fridge. I don't know. (laughs) But no, I look at those kind of moments and you've had this expectation from your dad saying, and many people have had that as well, but that builds up with people telling you you're going to be an Olympian at six, seven years, eight years old, all the way up to that moment. It's not just the pressure on yourself. That's the external pressure. And you've mentioned identity. Did you feel external pressure at that point? Like other people or is it more internal? Or I guess at the point of, you know, just before the 2012 games, like, do you think it was just a build up and just that being the moment from external, from your dad, from... I think it's definitely external pressure, which turned into internal pressure as well. Just me expecting more of myself and just being like, toughen up, you can do this. Mm. Like, yeah, I think it's definitely external and more than like my parents, it was the community around me. Like Mm. even my training squad, my coach, Mm. my friends, Mm. like, you know, they're all like, oh, Bisky, she's going to go to the Olympics, all that kind of stuff. That's a lot of pressure on anyone. Yeah. But what I love about that is that you're now in the most internalized position you could be. You're an entrepreneur. Yes. Yep. Correct. <laughs> There's literally no one telling you anything now. No, so no. I, I find that such a profound switch from, you know, being told to turn up for track and do this and do that to now running your own business. Have you found that a bit liberating? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It is literally you're in charge of whatever you want to do. You decide how hard you want to work. You decide how gritty you want to get into your work. Yeah. It's awesome because you're not relying on feedback from anyone else. And I love it, but it's also really hard at the same time coming from my background as well. So we've talked about early life. Yeah. We've talked about your journey to the Olympics. Yeah. We've talked about the holy shit moment, like the defining moment and how you bounce back from that. Yeah. And how you just chuck the tablets in the bin and went, I'm yeah. going to fucking do it my way. Yeah. And then you found yourself through that. Well, I'm, I want to touch about yoga and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I want to sort of lean into your daily routines. Yeah. 
and your non-negotiables? Because this is something that we've found really interesting when we kind of interview people. Okay. All of us have mornings, people yeah. might not, but all of us have mornings where we just don't want to, whatever oh, it is. 100%. Train, work, fuck, there's five baskets of laundry, I could take the kids to the school <laughs> yeah. and I've got to get to the gym and like run the gym. And What do you do on those days? What does Biscuit do on those days? So if I do have a day like that, I'm so like conditioned, I'm kind of like, I'm just going to do it. But there are days where honestly, like I wake up in the morning and I'll be like, I'm just going to change my complete day because I can't be fucked doing work or any of this stuff. And I'll just kind of like surrender to it. Mm. But I always get to some point in the day where I'll kind of do a part of a task I needed to do. Or like if it was like, oh, I'm going to do this like one hour workout in the gym, it's going to be awesome. If that never gets done throughout the day, I know that at some point I'm just going to be like, all right, let's do something little. We're going to go take the dogs for a walk or something, get outside. And why is that important? I'm a huge believer of consistency mm. over anything else. Good. And it doesn't matter like how much of something you do each day. What matters is that you've attempted to do it. So even like one step of a walk is better than nothing. And it still is kind of like igniting that. I see. That consistency. Yeah. You're still like setting out to go do it. You might not do it all. That's fine. But like you've thought about doing the first step. I'm at least going to get started and then we'll see how we go. And most of the time, to be honest, I do like 80 or 100% of what I was going to do anyway. So then what are your daily non-negotiables? Definitely movement of some sort. And like, it's not always intense. Sometimes it is just going out and walking my dogs and getting outside. Like I'm such an outdoors person. I need my son. If it's sunny outside, I'll go out and get some sunshine. Definitely a huge thing I've realized for myself is that at the end of the day, I need to clock off. I don't know how people like, you know, they eat dinner and then they're like working (laughs) after dinner, like right before they go to bed, they'll jump on the computer and do stuff. I just don't know how they do it. Some people really function well. My partner, Adam, is actually really good at that. But for me, I need to eat my dinner, sit on the couch with my dogs, watch some trash on Netflix and like, and then go to bed. (laughs) Sounds like my partner. She's the same. She just needs to like switch off. It needs to be like, I'm finished at this point and then I chill. And then I guess another non-negotiable is like, I want to fuel myself with something good. You know, my diet's not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and preach like I have the best diet in the world, but like I always aim to get something nutritious in. I just feel like, you know, our body is built up of what we eat. Our cells are built up of all the nutrition that we're eating. And if I can at least get one good meal or snack in, then I've won the day. <laughs> so oh, That's what James said. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved about that whole thing was, especially the people that watch this, business owners, those kind of things, just getting started towards where you want to go. I know you said that if you can't get to the gym, you at least go for a walk, yeah. which is still a step. In fact, Danny, who we just had on, asked everyone on our show just then, if you want to aim towards something, just take that first step. You're doing it daily. Mm. Yep. And I just love that as like an attitude. I think it's awesome because it's still moving, still in the right direction, even though it's not the intensity. I think that's important as yeah. a habit. We actually had obstacle course day here. And I remember like, so I was on one of the markers, making sure people weren't cheating, going around the cone. Don't cheat in front of biscuit. <laughs> and I could just see like the pain on their face and they'd get down to do a reverse bear crawl. And they're just like, I can't do this. And I just remember saying to them, take it one step at a time. No matter how fast you're going, even if you're going at a snail's pace, if you are stepping one foot after another, you will get to the end. You will get there. I was one of those people that you said that to. <laughs> I remember. I really struggled on that one. And that is what I remembered was just one, just the next step, just the, just next, the step. next step. Not the yeah. hill, no. just the next step, just the next, the next step. step, the next step. 
And I, could, I couldn't see the step because it's it was behind, it's behind me. you. Yeah. yeah, and it was in sand. Yeah, exactly. To make it even spicier. <laughs> of course. <laughs> What's one thing that you'd never change about yourself? I think my silliness and like just, I don't know, I'd like to think I'm kind of like youthful and like never feel old. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd never want to change that. Yeah. I want to be like hopefully like 90 one day. And just be doing crazy stuff still that bending. like six year olds do. Still, <laughs> yeah. still bending, still, still doing my yoga, the... still bouncing on bouncy castles, whatever it is. I don't Love know. That. that end state is something that James talked about as well. He was quite happy to not go full send on a CrossFit workout. He said, he, I would rather do 10 or 20% less, but know that I could still be a seven year old and, and happy yeah. in surfing. Yeah. 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 So I just think there's something in that. Like well, that this was that one of the state. things that helped my decision with not going back to elite sport was. I honestly was like at the point where I was so unwell. I don't want to keep going and to ruin my body and never be able to work out again or like feel good or whatever that is. That was a huge decision maker for me. That's exactly what James said. Mm. And these are like some of the best athletes in the country. Yourself, James, these are top, top, top competitors. And both of you said you'd rather almost take your long-term health far over competition, which yeah. is exactly what you did. And Definitely. same with James, he said the same thing. Mm. Yeah. I find that really interesting because your mindset's so determined as well. Yeah. So it's a counterbalance. Yeah. So talk to me about how, because if anyone looked at Biscuit right now and see the way you jump around out there on the driveway, <laughs> you'd think Biscuit, chronic fatigue, no way. Yeah. So how did you get out of that? So honestly, it was like five years of work, real solid personal work until I started feeling maybe like, 80% almost mm. there. And now like, I can't even like remember the time I had it. You know, really? I feel so good. And just was there so- a where you kind of like felt like, oh God, that feels different. That worked. No, because it was so gradual. People message me all the time about, oh, what do you recommend for chronic fatigue? I have it. I have glandular fever, all this stuff. Honestly, everyone is really different. And I'm just going to warn you now, it can take a very long time. And you just have to be committed to that journey. So, yeah, five years of just a lot of internal work, a lot of physical work. What do you mean by internal work? Just a lot of like psych stuff, seeing a psychologist and finding yoga, discovering myself as a different person, like the new Amanda Bisque. Yeah. Um, or the real Amanda Bisque, real I one. guess. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. And just like probably growing up a little bit as well. Interesting. And just understanding that I had to be a bit more mentally like, there. <laughs> growing, growing up, but also staying young. Yeah, yeah, correct. correct. So, what did yoga do for you then? So I found yoga in 2011 towards the end of the year. And I just did it because I remember it being a part of our pole vault sessions. We used to go once a week. It was our light day. And I would just go and be like, oh, you just stretch. Awesome. Cool. And I never <laughs> thought of anything more. And then at that point, I really couldn't do anything. I wasn't going on walks or anything like that. I was just honestly just trying to get through the day. And I was like, you know what? I want to move my body. I don't know how. Yoga seems to be like this super chill thing. So I went to my first free class, Lululemon class down the road. Oh, awesome. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. It's free. I'll see how it goes. Hated it. <laughs> Did not like it at all. And I was like, oh. But I honestly had no other option. I didn't have anything else that I could do. So the next weekend, went back down. There was a different teacher. Liked it a little bit more. And then the more and more I went, the more and more I learned to let go. Because mm. I just really felt like I had to like control everything in the class. So I started to like surrender. Started to really enjoy like Shavasana at the end. And just understand that it was less about like the performance of the practice and more about like the feeling. So that really helped a lot. And then 
I really found that like I was able to clear my mind because, you know, honestly, the first yoga class, I was like, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Yeah. I don't know what I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a different question now. So now you've got your app, Fresh Body Fit Mind. Yeah. What's something that motivates you within your business today? To be honest, it's like the community. This last year has actually been really hard business-wise. It's been really full on and I've really felt like the movement of the space, just social media and online platforms, it's getting really overwhelming. There's so many different platforms. You need to move really quick. You need to be really creative all the time. You need to be on, 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 go. I've really found that like the community helps a lot and especially on the days where I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this. This is so overwhelming. I have mm. so much to do. My checklist never like gets ticked off. Mm. Those days I'll get a message from someone. I don't know how they do this. They seem to like time no. it perfectly and they'll message me and they'll be like, Amanda, I like just did this class and it honestly like changed my week. And they'll just send me something like amazing and it just makes it all worth it. And it makes me kind of just reset my mind to be like, all right, how are we going to do this? Mm. Let's make it work now. <laughs> Talk me through that as well, because I, I know your space, and we've had a chat about this before, it's quite challenging, right? And, and yeah. Biscuit has, you know, 600,000 odd followers on, on Instagram and has obviously started off quite early when they actually had organic reach. <laughs> yeah. Make everyone get too paid now. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was a good time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But no, it does pivot the business a bit, right? So you still obviously got that, but it's pivoting the business, which is where the, a lot of these challenges are coming up. Yeah. How are you guys dealing with that today? Look, there's definitely a lot of things that we should be doing. Like we don't market, we don't advertise, mm. like we don't put any money into anything. Everything that we do is organic, number one, because it's really overwhelming and we haven't planned to do that. And there's only Adam and I, so it's really hard with a team of two to like get that stuff happening. And you need a lot of financial investment, obviously as well. So our direction has been like just trying to be organically like me and organically us and really enjoying the process of it all and building like the positive vibes in our community. Like we have so much faith in our community. We've been around on the app almost like seven years and we're successful and we just can't thank them enough because they've stuck with us. Like we've had people from day dot from seven years ago who are still cool. with us on the app and like, in this space, that's, that that's is like, I'm like, great. That's if that was me, I probably would have left. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, you can so easily try another app tomorrow, cancel your other membership. And so it's what, so, like, why so do you think they stay? Why did they stay? Yeah, why do you think they stay? I hope they can see like the work that gets put behind yeah. everything. Like I know a lot of other like apps and stuff, I can kind of see how they cut corners. And, you know, we've had meetings with other companies where we can scale and all that stuff and just seeing how they get more shit done, but maybe less quality. And I just hope our followers in our community can see that we fucking work our ass off. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like our days are hard and there's so many breaking points in our week, but you know, at the end of it, we just hope it's worth it and that people can kind of see through. Why are you doing it? If it's so hard, <laughs> if it's so hard, because it's true, yeah. right, same as gyms, everyone thinks, how hard can it be? You yeah. just work out all day, don't you? It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's fucking hard. <laughs> so why do you keep doing it? Because honestly, it's the one person that comes up to me in the street and goes, I follow you. Oh my God, I absolutely love you. Like, thank you so much for like being so honest with everything. And I love how positive you are. Or it's the person who messages me on the app and they're like, I loved this workout. Or, oh my God, thank you for releasing this new program. Or I've shared this with my mom and she absolutely loves it. It's like all like 
the individual people coming up and like taking a moment out of their day to tell me that they really enjoyed something that we put together. Like it's awesome. What would you say to your followers right now, the people that are using your app right now? How, oh, how would you thank them? Mate, you guys are bloody legends. I love you. Yeah. And just so thankful. I know myself and Adam as well, we are just so thankful. And sometimes, you know, we sit down at the end of our day and we just can't believe like we have people on an app doing stuff that we've created. Like it's just honestly surreal sometimes. And it's just, yeah, fist bump. <laughs> it's so Yeah, awesome. it's just awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I think too, I've seen it. So you're exactly the same in person as you are on social media. I love when people are super authentic and like even the decisions you made, you just said you met up with companies that could scale the business and you said no, because the way they wanted to do it, you didn't agree with and you wanted to be real and you wanted to be, that's why I suppose one of the big pushes behind staying organic in this sense. But do you think it's a really big part of, again, going back to Amanda and who Amanda is, like just staying really real to who you are? Do you think that's hundred percent. Like I think, especially business wise, whenever I think about the product I'm releasing, I just kind of always think, what do I want? That's huge. What, like what process would I want to know happened behind the scenes to bring this product to me? I don't know. That thinking is, sorry to interrupt, but that thinking is so deliberate. That is so uncommon. We work with a lot of businesses. Not many people are happy because they don't actually know what they want yeah. and they just end up in they just end up doing stuff. Yeah. Well, honestly, I've been caught in as well. You kind of like trying to please people. So we're yeah. trying to please our followers and all of that and the subscribers to the app, which is great. We do that, of course, and get their feedback. But then you get caught in like, what do they want? What do they want? Mm. I don't know what they want. What do they want? Oh, my God. What do I want? And then you just actually, whenever we get to that point now, we've kind of learned over the years, we just go, hey, okay, what do we want? Like, what mm. would we want out of this? Mm. Like. What kind of class would I want to experience? Mm. Like, you know, just break it down more simply and just kind of be like, why not do it for yourself as well? Then you're going to be attracting people who like what you like. And then you get to produce content that you like. And that's awesome. <laughs> so, so when it comes to business, because, you know, we're all fellow business owners here, what is cooking in your world right now? What sort of goal really revs you up right now, you and Adam? So we're still doing the app, which yeah. is awesome, but we're slowly taking it to another direction. You know, ever since the beginning, I've very much been a body weight hit, do your workouts at home kind of situation. And even me personally, like my own training, I'm getting more into like strength and lifting and all of that and can really see like the benefits. So last month we released a brand new dumbbell program. So we're slowly introducing awesome. equipment. So Again, I'm trying to come from like the point of our community. So these are people who don't have a lot of time. They've been working out from home. They don't want to travel. They want to do everything in their living room. So I'm kind of thinking, all right, well, if we want to train with weights, what's the next step for them? Mm. And that's like, hey, we're going to get a couple of dumbbells, use a chair, starting to use a bit more equipment. And then eventually, like I would love to get like a full lifting program in there as well. And this is kind of like, you know, as business owners, I think you always kind of sit at the point. It's like, I want to be here right now. Yes. Like I want to do it right now. I know. I want to do this for the rest of my life. So like, why am I in a rush? Same like, why am yeah. I in a rush? And we get caught up in it all the time. You like, do. you know, Adam gets frustrated. He's like, oh, the website's not up yet. I haven't finished this yet. And I'm like, it's okay. People can wait. If the quality's there, people will stick on by you and they will wait. It might take you a year. And it's been honestly like that for our app. You know, we've had people ask about a weights program and that was 12 months ago. So like yeah. we only just released it now. So it's taken time. Do you think the trick there is the willingness to be patient? Yes. And that is so hard. It's uncommon, isn't it? It's uncommon. 
I think I have a little bit of patience because obviously I came from an athlete background and you have to put all those sessions in and wait for competitions to come by. Adam's probably a bit more impatient. So we always have discussions about that and just being like, we just got to accept it. It is what it is. <laughs> I think truthfully, like for me, I think that's something that I have heard like yourself and Danny and James talk about the other day. Like, I think I need to be more patient because mm -hmm. I am definitely, you know, with Geronimo, like in yeah. it for the long haul. I want to literally lift yeah. the standard of this industry. But for the members, you know, the gym yeah. owners sometimes like, love you guys, but sometimes, you know, with love, you're the problem. Like, but <laughs> but it's your members who I really care about, right? Yeah. Because they're somewhere along a journey yeah. of self-discovery, of new identity, and we owe it to them to make sure that we provide them a space where they can feel exactly. like somewhere where they can belong. And a quality space. And a quality, and quality space. takes time. So, okay, let's get some gold. Okay. No bullshit. Mm -hmm. Just go straight down the middle. What is one sort of change, you know, our listeners can make today to go from maybe feeling, you know, average or, or sort of mediocre or not quite hitting the mark? What's kind of one no BS change that they can do to go from average to awesome? I think, honestly, doing the little things each day and really being proud of the effort that you've put in and knowing that you're a step closer. I think just really like making the picture a little bit smaller and mm. just think about the day and just fucking rocking the day. And even if it's a bad day, just kind of look back and be like, you know, I did this. I work towards this. Hell yeah, we're a step closer. Tomorrow we're going to do exactly the same thing. And just kind of seeing more of the process and just mm. really enjoying those steps because I think, so many people think that they're going to do this thing, achieve this thing, and they're going to be so happy and it's going to be awesome. But to be honest, you do that thing, but then the next day you're on a process to another thing. That's so so, so That's you so might true. as well be happy and really excited That's about so today. Yeah, <laughs> right. we'll help owners put on an extra 100 members. Yeah. But they're no happier. No. Because no. I think because they didn't find meaning in the process. Yeah, correct. I know athletes who have been to the Olympics and Get fucked. they're – they hated it. <laughs> like, fucked, really? It was the worst experience ever. Really? Yeah. yeah. Especially Tokyo because there was no one there. But, <laughs> oh, 20, yeah. but yeah, honestly, and it's like, but I, like, I also have been around athletes who maybe didn't make it like me, mm. but they still go down to the track, you know, 10 years after they've retired mm. and they bloody love the sport and they mm. just love training and the process and they're not training for anything in particular, maybe a PB or something, mm. but... You know, and it's awesome to see. Okay. Last question. Oh, already? Is yeah. this the end? Before we wrap this up, mm -hmm. what's one question that you wish I'd asked you? And how about would you have answered it? About my mom. I wish you asked me about my mom. Okay. And then my next question was, how would you have answered it? So tell me about how your mom has shaped your life. So recently, so in the last three years, so she's 74 now. So at 71, she stepped into the gym for the first time ever in her life. No she way. comes from Poland, a rural town in Poland, from a not-so-wealthy family. Um, so doing any sort of sport, there is no gym in town. Girls just, you know, were in the kitchen cooking and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, at 71 years old, I brought her to the gym. So she works out with me every single Friday morning. What? We do an hour-long workout, sometimes it's hour and 15. Go have a coffee and breakfast together after. And she is an absolute legend. She has absolutely smashed it. She's so inspiring and she's just kind of like, you know, my dad has instilled all this hard work and all this. My mom kind of like instills the emotion behind everything. Right. And I just want to be like her when I grow up. Mm. Um, and she's killing it. She does deadlifts. She's on the ski erg. Like, oh, and from awesome. someone who like 
doesn't even like really go for walks that often. She's killing it. So what does she mean to you? Everything. She's like everything. I love her so much. And I think she's like the soft side of me. I have a hard side of me who's like hardcore and she's like the soft side. And I'm so thankful that I have that side. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah, I'm cheering up already. Go, mummy. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Biscuit. Oh, thank you so much. That honestly means a lot. Thank you, guys. And I'm I'm stoked that you've invited me to come and be with you today to speak. And I absolutely loved just being able to talk about raw stuff. It's been really good. No one's really asked me any of that stuff before. So it's been good to open up, as you can tell by the tears. <laughs> but anyway. I know. I, I, sharing. I really appreciate Yeah. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for being honest and, and raw for, on behalf of our listeners. Yeah. The moment yeah, I first met you out there on the driveway, I knew that I wanted to ask you more because you radiate and, <laughs> you know, that energy, the youthness that you sort of talked about and just the level of care that you have for everyone out there that's in the Hurt Locker, I can definitely see that in you. Yeah. So thank you. I want to thank you. <laughs> They helped me through those bloody workouts. Oh, you're so welcome. You <laughs> anytime. Being... I'll yell at you anytime. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for <laughs> being on the that because you got him tomorrow morning on the driveway. Oh, yes. my gosh. It's, just, it's a hangover day. So <laughs> it is. And it's at like 10.30 peak sun. We're all hungover. Yeah, Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be hot. <laughs> um, so thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your journey. And where can people find you? So definitely on the app, Fresh Body Fit Mind. You can check out the website as well, freshbodyfitmind.com. And on Instagram, all my updates are on Instagram. I mean, not recently because I've been on retreat and I haven't posted in like a week. Yeah. <laughs> but that just means I'm having a good time, right? Yeah, yeah. But definitely on Insta, you'll see all my updates there. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Listeners, we'll have some of Amanda's stuff in our show notes as well. So you can sort of follow her journey along through there as well. So Thank you so much for being part of this. Thank, Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome, And guys. I can't wait to follow your journey with you and Adam and so you add those extra weights programs and see what else you get up to yeah. as well. Thank you so much. All right. All right, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If something resonated with you, then do one of two things. Either leave a review or send this episode to a mate who's in the industry who might need to hear this. But if you want more right now, because your head might be spinning and you're like, all right, those, that, what the hell do I do right now? Then in the show notes, you'll find a link to where you can book in for a free 15-minute checkup on your studio, where we get to have a look at how you're going right now and where some of the kind of quick win opportunities are to get you moving faster. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And if you're listening to this right now, I want you to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you, and I'm in your corner. You are on the right track, and I believe in you. So keep going, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.